0: Welcome to the Association 4.0 Podcast, your
1: association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the Digital Marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Thank you for tuning in to Association 4.0 Podcast. My name is Sherry Budziak, and I am the CEO of .orgSource. And I'm here today with Dr. Tom Damarek. Tom led the National Marine Manufacturers Association as president and CEO for 20 years and retired in 2020. He now serves as a business advisor to associations. Tom is currently serving as business strategist for the National Association for Healthcare Quality. He has 45 years of experience in working with members to build consensus around an action agenda to improve their industry, and worked for the banking industry, electronics industry, recreational boating industry, and healthcare. Tom has many accomplishments, which might take up the entire podcast if I was going to cover them all today, but I am really excited uh, to have you uh, join us here today, Tom, and and appreciate your time.
0: Sherry, it's a pleasure to be with you.
1: Thanks. So Tom, tell us a little more um, about yourself.
0: So, as you mentioned, I mean, I've actually been uh, working in association management for forty five years. And uh, you mentioned the industries I've been in. what What's been interesting for me is uh, you know the banking industry was essentially a service industry. When I moved into electronics and recreational boating, those were manufacturing industries. and uh, the move from service industry to a manufacturing industry was a was a big jump, big learning curve, and of course, electronics was a very, very fast paced, fast changing industry. And then I moved to recreational boating, which was very slow to change, uh, mostly very small uh, businesses, uh, entrepreneurial owned businesses, and and just very slow to change. And then. Uh, I was with them for 20 years, and I've been really having a lot of fun the last couple of years working with the National Association of Healthcare Quality, a whole new industry. So, you know, the the opportunity to learn these new, you know, these industries has been uh, uh, really rewarding for me. Um, and, and I kind of consider myself a lifelong learner, as you mentioned at the outset. Uh, Dr. Domerick, I, I I actually got my doctorate in Business Administration when I was sixty five years old. I think I was when I got the uh, wow. degree. So uh, it's never it's never too late, and it's one of the best things I ever did. Uh, so i you know i've I've got an MBA in Finance, a Master of Science in Accounting, a Bachelor of Arts in Economics. Uh, and everything I've ever learned I've put to use. Uh, in my work uh for associations so
1: that's fantastic yeah it, if somebody looks at your linkedin there's a lot of letters behind your name that's for sure yeah 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 there are
0: uh,
1: so you know um you have a lot of experience um especially previously as a ceo you know can you describe kind of what you've seen the most um change in the association industry in the past few years
0: So I've been, I've been a CEO of two groups and, uh, I must say that, uh, I have really enjoyed working for entrepreneurs. Uh, they, they need their associations help, uh, probably more than, than most, uh, and and mostly smaller, smaller businesses, although frankly, we've had members that were, $5 billion corporations too. And as I look back over the years, uh, one of the biggest changes I've seen is that associations and association CEOs in particular are more and more called on to be leaders in the industry and to be the face of the industry to be the spokesperson for the industry, and not just the manager of the association. That, uh, you know, especially in trade associations, but I think this is probably true in professional societies too. uh, You can accomplish more through your association than, than most individuals or organizations can do on their own. But whether you're an entrepreneur or a professional in a professional association, your primary focus is on your business or your job your day to day and the associations role more than ever has got to be looking over the horizon. To see what's coming and to prepare their industry or profession for that future. And so, you know, I go back, you know, 40 years ago when I was working in associations. Uh, there was a lot of, a big part of it was the social aspect and many of the meetings were really vacations where we had a little content that is so different today. CEOs are, are, and professionals who belong to associations are looking for that association to contribute some real value to their Mm -hmm. organization or to them personally. And to help them be successful and so if you're not doing things that are helping your members be successful today and in the future then you're probably not going to be around too long
1: so tom that was interesting that what you said about ceos being the face of the industry so Not sure that, and not everybody listening to this probably knows that we started an organization six years ago called .org Community, and what we were seeing was that there was that change, but the change, that change of being the CEO, being the spokesperson and the face of the industry, that those CEOs were traveling more. And what that caused was kind of a gap mentorship and knowledge at the senior staff level. So I know when I was, before we got on this podcast, I was mentioning my previous CEO that I worked with, uh, he was always in the office. So he was kind of the go-to, I had a problem, I went to Brad. He was always there. Well, so we kind of saw this, this gap of the Brads were no longer there. They were meeting in, in, with their members, their constituents, their partners, uh, all of those things. And we were getting a lot of calls of, you know, Sherry, who do I talk to? So we started kind of these mentoring groups within kind of that senior staff, which has been for me, for my career, very rewarding. It's interesting the conversations that they, they have in these private groups, it's been great. And and then also, as you said, kind of seeing, we say kind of seeing around the corner, right? Like what is coming in, in our industry and what do we need to be thinking about? It's hard for associations to kind of really think or have that education of, you know, what is around the corner and how do we plan for that? Especially in a lot of industries, they're slow to change, right? And there's because of the governance and the structure and the decision making process. So how do you get your organization to really be thinking and you know and for the future? So with that, I guess my next question for you is, you know what do you feel is the most important thing leaders can do right now to position their organizations for success?
0: So it's interesting you talked about the increasing travel. Um, I, certainly, I experienced that. I have seven million miles on American Airlines. and i was I was probably slept in hotel rooms one hundred and fifty nights a year.
1: wow.
0: and it and it was all about uh, building relationships and partnerships, not only with members but with other related associations. To expand the influence of both the association, but also of the industry, you know, to be effective and deliver value and to be able to understand those things that are that are, you're seeing over the horizon or around the corner, you've really got to understand your member's business. And you cannot understand your member's business just sitting in your office. Mm-hmm. You've got to get out there on the factory floor, so to speak and be with them and understand their business. So I think that's one of the most important uh, elements to success today for association CEOs is that they've got to understand their members' business almost as well as their members do. And they've got to they've got to be focused externally. You know, I I think back, well, let's just, you know, let, let's take the Certified Association Executive Designation which I got a long time ago. I let it lapse near the end of my career, but I got a long time ago. And you know, what does it what does the test test on? It tests on, you know, do you know the association legal issues? Do you know meeting planning? Do you know association governance? They're all kind of internally focused things that a, a good CEO needs to know, but they're not sufficient to being mm-hmm. a successful CEO. They're necessary. But not sufficient to being a successful CEO. To be a successful CEO, you've really got to understand your members' business. And I used to tell my board, and I and I actually at one point I sat on the board of 15 different organizations. Oh, wow. Most of them were related to recreational boating. But in my role with this external focus, looking over the horizon all the time, I, I would describe it to my board that. You know, there's, I look up and there's thousands of dots. And my ability to be externally focused and interfacing and building partnerships with all these related organizations, with government agencies, with our members, allowed me to connect these dots in ways that nobody else could, because nobody else saw all those dots. And so the ability to see all those dots and help connect those dots for your members so that not only are you addressing their needs today, but you're addressing the emerging needs that they're going to have to deal with in five years or 10 years is critical. Uh, I think, the success of CEOs today.
1: That's great. So what do you think are the challenges of getting there? We have we have so many challenges today. But, uh, you know, what do you see are some of those challenges?
0: Well, uh, today, I mean, COVID-19 has been a huge challenge, I think, for association CEOs as, uh, as they haven't been able to travel, as they've mm-hmm. had to rely on Zoom meetings. And, you know, I mean, I know... After two years into this, we're all suffering from zoom fatigue. But I think the challenge, uh, biggest challenge is to build, to build the trust and to be completely transparent with not only with your members, but with your partners, with the other organizations you're working with and building trust with them and transparency helps build trust. But if you're going to have the kind of partnership with your industry and your members and with other organizations, other associations and government agencies that that you need to have to move an industry forward and grow an industry. You've got to build
1: trust. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. We're working with an organization having some major difficulties. um, And I would take that one step further of um, not only trust at that leadership level and that partnership level, but also with the tr- transparency with the staff. Yeah. We had one staff person, they keep throwing money at the staff to stay. And they said, it's more than money. We, you know, we realize that our dues are down. We see the numbers, just be honest, just, you know, say what it is so we can all be together um, to try to turn this around. So, so that whole word transparency is, I hear you. it's, it's uh, something that organizations really need to think about.
0: Well, and I'll, I'll just give you a little anecdote on that. It's not even related to associations so much, but uh, i uh I once uh, applied for an insurance policy, and i was I was client uh, for a medical reason and and I said, "Well, I, I don't have that medical reason I, that I don't have that. Talk to my doctor, he'll tell you. And I called my doctor and I said, uh, "You know, they're saying I got this, and I don't have this." And he said, let me look at your file. And he did. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, you have that. And I said, well, you never told me I had that. Well, he said, yeah, I told you this and I told you that. And I said, no, no, you you never told me that I had this. So my son became a doctor. And I said to him, Danny, when you're talking to your patients, number one, talk to them in plain English. Do not talk to them in medical speak that they don't understand. And number two, tell them the truth. Just tell it in plain English. They want to know. Even if it's bad news, they want to know, just tell right. them. Right. So transparency is is critical. It's yeah. critical to building trust for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. So Tom, do you see the, so, you know, we, I hear a lot of talk where people come to us um, on the consulting side, looking at, you know, we need to reevaluate our, our membership models or we need to think about certification and, and all of those typical things that associations do. And you're where we are today. I mean, do you see the association business models changing or not so much? Or needing to change, I guess, is is more of the question.
0: So it's very interesting because uh, over the course of the 20 years I was with the National Marine Manufacturers Association, the way we finance the organization evolved continuously. So we we were about a 65 million dollar association, and about 48 million of that was revenue from boat shows, and then we had dues, and we had certification revenue, and we had we we launched a uh, an industry promotional campaign called Discover Boating, and that was a significant piece of revenue. But along came the uh, global financial crisis in 2008-9, and the bottom just fell out of discretionary industries like the boating industry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, our revenues were cut in half within a year. And, and, uh, so we had, we, we re-looked at how, how do we finance the association and the members, uh, recognizing that they needed the association, uh, developed a, with, with a staff developed a whole new funding model that that allowed the organization to flex as revenues ebb and flow through economic cycles. And they were have repeatedly shown a willingness to step up and make sure that the organization had the resources it needed in order to effectively do an effective job for the industry. But We had a a chairman who was a CEO of a very, very, very large company in in the recreational marine industry. And he said, look, this is what I'm spending with the association each year. And it was several million dollars between boat shows and dues and certification and everything else. He said, I'm not willing to spend any more but I'm very willing to reallocate how I spend that with you. And so we changed our whole model on how we finance these organization probably three times during my 20 year tenure there. And each time it made the organization stronger and more resilient for change. So I, I think you just, you need to be flexible uh, in, in your governance. You need to keep your board at a strategic level and you need, uh, you, you need to be adding so much value that, they can't live without you and are uh, will do what's necessary to keep the organization alive and working for their benefit,
1: yeah, I was kind of surprised over, you know what we experienced with covid and the lockdowns and then the meetings being canceled and then turning to virtual. And I thought because of that experience that we would see significant change um but A lot of organizations are just going back to kind of their old model, um, which, of course, we're all tired of virtual meetings. Not, But having that as kind of their primary source of revenue and, you know, there were some organizations, large meetings, like you said, like even, you know, the trade shows that lost significant millions and millions of tens of millions of dollars, but they are really not diversifying or, or making those changes. So hopefully you know, as we kind of come out of this, there will be some reflection on, you know, what do we need to be, you know, doing to, uh, to make some changes. um, And to be agile, I think that's what I'm hearing from you, like, you kept, you know, reinventing and and thinking through, you know, how do you provide that value based on this timestamp today. And as we said earlier in the conversation, and what's coming around the corner, like, how do we need to shift as an organization?
0: Well, and The interesting thing is, throughout all that, we had two overriding goals for the organization. One was advocacy on behalf of the the boating industry and the boating public, and expanding the market for recreational boating products. Those were our two overriding objectives throughout that were consistent over time. And, uh, you know, I was gone by then, but when the pandemic hit, but boat shows stopped happening. Yeah you recall earlier I mentioned boat shows were 48 million dollars of revenue that 48 million dollars disappeared for at least a year but the members in the industry said look our two primary goals advocacy expanding the market let's re- let's take some of the money we were using on our discover boating and our industry uh, promotion campaign and let's redirect that into advocacy because we cannot let advocacy weaken And as it turned out, uh, largely due to the pandemic, people being cooped out and wanted to get outdoors, the boating industry just took off like a rocket. Mm -hmm. And so the industry promotion or market expansion part of the equation became less urgent, still important, but less urgent. And so we just redirect, they redirected resources from market expansion into advocacy and, you know, as, the industry cyclicals. So, I mean, sooner or later we're going to have an economic downturn, demand will fall. We'll need to put more back into promotion, probably. but you we we can adjust, uh, as you said, be agile in how we use our resources to the best uh, to get the best outcomes for the industry.
1: So how do you feel that technology is impacting impacting associations today?
0: Well, uh, technology is uh, everywhere, and I think if you are not keeping up with technology in your association, uh, then obviously you're you're falling badly behind. You know, even manufacturers or particularly, perhaps manufacturers are always looking for new technologies that can help increase efficiency, productivity, reduce cost whatever. I always felt that it was important that we be on uh, the leading edge, not necessarily the bleeding edge, but on the leading edge, because things change so fast. Yeah. That if you're not buying, if you're buying two-year-old technology today, three years from now, you're really out of date. If you yeah. buy the latest and greatest today, in three years, you're going to be out of date. So you, you got to be buying the best available at all times, or you're just going to fall too far behind uh, in your ability to be effective.
1: Well, and I'll add to that, that keeping up with your upgrades. I yes. got a call last week that somebody was shocked because they are three versions behind, and now it's going to cost them a quarter million dollars to get up to date. And I was like, yep, that's what it's going to cost you. They couldn't even believe it. I was I said we've seen you know the farther that you get behind those upgrades are harder and harder. So so I know a lot of associations experience that for various reasons. They're not keeping the eye on their ball, you know, what their contracts say, what um when their contracts expire, uh when the upgrades are and they they get off that upgrade path. So so I I really obviously with the work that I do think that the overall infrastructure and the operations and keeping Somebody keeping their eye on that ball is is really important for an organization. I mean, because the other part that I think happens too is that staff start finding easier ways to do things, right? And so start doing these one-offs. And so now you're hearing, okay, we're updating that in four places. And you're like, well, why? Um, Because our system doesn't work.
0: The infamous workarounds.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And you know what? I
0: mean, your members, your members assume that you're doing that. I mean, that's the basic blocking and tackling. If you're if you don't have that that foundation solid, then you're not going to be prepared to do the things that are really important to impacting an industry's growth and outcomes for an industry.
1: Yeah. And I think those, you know, I was able to witness that those organizations that were as you said, not not bleeding edge, but, you know, kind of cutting edge or yeah. at least keeping up with the times. When the pandemic hit, they were able to be agile and they were able to quickly shift into online education or, or whatever those things were because they had the infrastructure there to support them. So now it's just thinking of how do we do business differently rather than, oh gosh, we got to do business differently and we have to find tools and we have to implement them And, you know, and, 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 those were very stressful times for those organizations. And then the others were able to just kind of pivot and they were very successful in in doing that. You know, we all had our challenges, but that would took one thing off the table for them, right?
0: Yeah, right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, just one other thought I have, um, you mentioned earlier about the workforce and in terms of challenges that CEOs have today, I think it's, Attracting and retaining top people, you know if if you're going to serve an industry or profession you've got to have the best people. Mm -hmm. To do that, because if you're going to lead you've got you've got to have the subject matter experts and you've got to have the knowledge to lead and. uh, In today's environment, it is tough to attract and retain the absolute best people. So that that is a significant challenge.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be a big challenge for us um, here over the next year or so. I know that I have organizations that have had 30% plus turnover in the last year. Um, yeah. so which is significant. And like I said, I think it's going to be more than just can I work from home or how much money are you going to give me? I think we, you know, everybody's seems to have gotten so busy and they're not taking the time to think about staff development, what the staff needs are, you can kind of in this remote environment and, and we've got customers, there. both, some of them are, have gone back to the office. It's interesting because a lot of our, our trade organizations, they never left the office, um, yeah. but, but others may never go back. But I think in that environment, you kind of forget like, oh. Tom's not happy today. What's going on? Because you're on a screen for an hour and then you may not see Tom the rest of the day. So you kind of forget about, and Tom's not happy, but you love Tom, right? You don't want Tom to quit. So I think we also need to rethink that entire staff management piece. I don't know the equation. Any thoughts that you have on that?
0: I agree. I mean, I did a lot of management by walking around, you know, I would just sit down at somebody's desk and talk for 15 minutes and uh, get a sense of what was going on in their life and what was going on in a job and, uh, you know, what they needed and what concerns they had. And, uh, you know, you, you had a better feel for what was going on and you could uh, address things more quickly. But the, the cost of turnover is just huge. I mean, it's not just the cost of finding a replacement and the downtime as you look for a replacement, but Even once you get that replacement on board, let's face it, it it is often six or 12 months before that person has a complete understanding of the organization or the industry and their role because they've got to go through a complete cycle. Yeah, Yeah. they they can begin making a contribution pretty soon, pretty quickly, and they do. But you don't get the full value that they're going to bring for months.
1: Yeah. For sure. So just time just to end this, you know, how many either how many boats do you have or how many friends do you are you out boating all the time with?
0: <laughs> well, I actually I actually own one boat. Uh, I have a pontoon boat, which uh, is uh, I love. Uh, during my years with the uh, NMMA, uh, we had a boat in Washington, D.C. and a boat in Chicago uh, that a member, a different member every year would provide us each summer that we could use for public relations and advocacy, and we did. So I, I've oh, i nice. done, done a lot of boating over the past uh, 22 years, but now I have my own and uh, I love it. And it is, it's a great way, uh, I mean, when you're out of the water, you have a different perspective on a lot of things. I mean, the world looks different, land looks different from the water than it does from land, and your problems look different when you're on the water than they do when you're on land.
1: I think I need to get a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Life is better with
0: a boat.
1: Well, Tom, I really appreciate your time today. I know you're really busy and this has been a great conversation and I hopefully um, some other folks can find the value that I I got out of this conversation today and and learn from your insights and your experience. So I appreciate it.
0: Sherry, it's been a pleasure visiting with you.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .org source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.